Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm joined by Lindsay Carlson, who is the author of a great book called A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. I think this is an important resource, especially for the ladies in our community, as there's a lot of uh, self-help books out there. I I see them, they come across my desk all of the time. In fact, most of the books that I see don't even make it into my bookshelf. They just go straight into a box, uh, straight into the trash, because they're simply propagating an idea that we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Well, we certainly know the gospel does not allow for that line of thinking. And it's important for us to be critical of what we're hearing from the world. So I'm really excited to be joined today by Lindsay Carlson. Thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Thank you for having me. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what prompted you in the, the realm of all of these Bible studies and books written towards women to encourage them that motivated you to write a book on this subject? Absolutely. So I am, just for context, um, my husband and I have been married for 19 years, and he's a pastor. And together we have five kids, and they range from almost to 18-year-old daughter and then four boys that go all the way down to six years old. And so I am in the house a lot with a lot of people. And as motherhood goes, you technically need a lot of encouragement to just keep going and staying on track and doing what needs to get done, the laundry and you know, normal, normal mom things, I need encouragement all the time. And being in a, in a position where I get to hear from my husband um, being in ministry, I get to interact and connect with lots of women all the time. And that's one of my favorite parts of my husband being a pastor is just that the Lord opens the door for me to get to sit with women in lots of different seasons and capacities. And so um, I'm not just talking to moms, I'm talking to single women and teenage girls and you know different people in different stages of life. And one of the things I started noticing was that I was not the only one that needed encouragement just because I was home raising kids. I noticed that the single girl that I'm friends with that is living in, a, in an environment where she doesn't have a family around her all the time, she's really needing encouragement. And the friend that's an older single woman who is not, not sure if she'll ever get married, she's needing encouragement. Um, there are people that are in hard marriages that need encouragement. And I'm seeing, you know, there's all of these people that are coming to me and saying, I just feel so weary, or I feel so discouraged, or I feel so fill in the blank, whatever word that they might use. And then they would tell me how disconnected that they feel from any source of help. And what they were describing was, I can't find a person who can speak into my situation because everybody has different situations. So they had this hope like I used to have, that was um, thinking and believing that if we could just find a person that had the exact same kind of life circumstances, if I can just find another mom who's a pastor's wife, who has five kids, who is home during the day, who is, you know, all of the different things, then that person will connect with me. They'll be able to speak into my life in ways that don't hurt me, but that lift me up and really strengthen me for the battle ahead. And when we look around and don't see people that look just like us or that are in particular seasons that are exactly like ours, we tend to think no help remains. Mm. And so we get caught in this cycle of going, well, if no help is existing for me, I believe that there's no help, then it must be up to me to go find my own help. And so I started thinking as a pastor's wife, not how I could encourage other people, but I started thinking, gosh, I should know how to encourage myself in the Lord. What does the Lord say about encouragement? 
because I don't think encouragement is a worldly um, philosophy that the world came up with. I think you see it in scripture. And so that's how I tend to write, I think, anything is I start with questions that are bubbling in my own life. And then I start to look at scripture and see patterns in scripture. And so um, that's where it began, the hope for the book. Um, and since taking that faithful step of obedience years ago, um, the Lord has just showed me so much mercy and kindness throughout his word. That's really, I think I, I understand far more about encouragement on this end and feel more encouraged because I've seen the Lord's encouragement throughout scripture over and over and over again. It seems that the last couple of years, especially going through a pandemic, has kind of lend towards this because it brought to at least the surface that we really do need community. We need each other. We need to be encouraged because that was quite the discouraging time. It was. Yeah. And, you know, I that was an interesting season for us. I was actually just talking to a friend right before hopping on this um, interview, but we were talking about how many people within the church we we've known as friends that just really crashed hard during pandemic, whether it was they, you know, quit a job or a marriage ended or different things because they were so disconnected and things were so hard. And I thought, you know, how kind of the Lord that when we went into pandemic, my husband and I had already been working from home, both of us, um, when the pandemic happened. And so we had already weathered a lot of the storms that I think that everybody kind of was collectively weathering at the same time. By the time pandemic hit, we were kind of used to it already because not obviously being completely out of culture totally, but we had we had, had to learn to work together in new ways and to depend on the Lord in our marriage in new ways because we were suddenly both at home with all of our kids. When they came home and started homeschooling, I had no idea that that was going to be the scenario that I would be writing a book under. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it was, again, kind of the Lord to allow me to sign a book contract and promise to write a book before I knew that my kids would be coming home from school and working in the house. And, you know, I would never have done that because I think I would have been too big of a chicken. Like I would have thought this is beyond my ability. I can't do this. I need to be working with my family. And in the Lord's kindness, he said, no, do both and I will carry you. And so in the process, I really learned that I had to rely on the Lord no matter what my situation and circumstances looked like, trusting that his encouragement would be a daily mercy and that every day it would show up again and again, just like manna. Mm. It's certainly the pandemic exposed a, a need for encouragement and exposed the fact that, number one, we missed we missed what we already had, but also in, in some ways we were, uh, we had kind of probably overlooked the necessity of encouragement, or we had taken it for granted in some way, don't you think? Absolutely, yes. Because I think that, you know, just like encouragement is something that is ordained and designed by God, we also experience worldly versions of encouragement that do work and that do feel good, that are just enough to kind of keep us addicted. So it's sort of like, um, like candy, right? Like it's really encouraging when someone says, oh my gosh, I love how you've decorated your house. Can you come over and do my house? Like that feels really encouraging. And I think, oh, I'm, I'm good at that. But that isn't something that's going to sustain me when I, when I suddenly go through a trial and I feel knocked down by the world. Mm-hmm. So when we've become addicted to the lesser forms of encouragement, we begin, we begin to think that that's all there is, is that mm-hmm. kind of surfacey level encouragement. And so I think almost all the time, it's trials and suffering 
that expose our true need and that point out, actually, that's not all there is. And you actually, your heart is created to long for far better sustenance. And so I think whether it was the pandemic for some people or something else, you know, I think that it's always ultimately the Lord drawing us to himself. Hmm. Now, explain to us what how do you define encouragement from a biblical sense? I mean, this is this is kind of an important kind of crucial issue that we're talking about it. It just, it just described that we need to make sure that we are talking about a biblical form of encouragement and not just a, a sort of secular version of it. Yes, absolutely. And that, that question is so important because I think that um, the message that we should take is not that encouragement that is not like Christian biblical encouragement is bad and wrong and we should avoid it. Like, I still tell people like, oh, hey, you know, thank you so much for doing such a great job on whatever that is. Um, But the purpose is that if we are Christians and followers of Christ, we are called to a higher level of encouragement that is more necessary for the provision of God's people and the family of God. So I would say um, very clearly, I think it is better encouragement provides God's promises to God's people in order to help us endure with our hope set on Christ. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I specify that because I think that helps us to know what to use to encourage people. The what is going to be God's promises. What are the promises that we see time and time again throughout scripture? Like, I will be with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will hold your right hand. Um, I will bless you. I will keep you. You know, the, the command, I mean, the, the promises that God explicitly gives But then keeping also in mind that those promises weren't just given to whoever is listening at any given time. If I go stand on a box outside of a target and yell God's promises, those are not true, trustworthy promises to every passerby that has not professed faith in Christ. Those are promises that God gives to His covenant people who have come to believe in Christ through, through grace by faith they have put their faith in Christ for salvation. And so those are promises that now as heirs of mercy, we get to claim as our own. And so I think it's very important for Christians to understand that because it it sets apart what we are allowed as ministers of the gospel to offer as promise and hope and what we should not be offering as promises of hope. So I am not going to say to someone that's having a terrible day, I'm sure your day tomorrow will be so much better because I don't know that mm. their day tomorrow might be worse than today. That's not a promise that God has given in his word for me to give to someone just mm. to make them feel better. But I might be able to say, gosh, I am so sorry that you have had such a terrible day. I will be praying that you will feel the presence of God who promises he is with you always. Mm. I can pray God, please show this person new mercies when they wake up in the morning and make your face shine upon them. Those are promises that I can give because I know that when I look at scripture that he promises those things for his people. It also helps me distinguish how I encourage someone who does or does not know Christ. So I'm not going to um, offer promises of encouragement um, with the same backing of like, this is steadfast, sure, steady hope without also calling them to repentance and calling them to belief and explaining why they feel that need for um, forgiveness or why they feel uncomfortable or unstable. If I know that they don't know Jesus, I'm going to encourage with the promises of God in a way that is compelling them to come to Christ. Um, So I think it, 
encouragement, the more that we understand about it, the more specific that we're able to speak words of encouragement into others, whether or not they know the Lord or not. Mm. When we're talking about encouragement, it seems that there there is a difference here, and this is a book that you've written for women, and uh, I know that this is a this is an area that women are probably a little more sensitive to. Um, I obviously don't go around and compliment my guy friends on what they're wearing, but my wife certainly does, and their hair, I, I probably don't, I can't remember the last time I complimented someone's hair, uh, but these are areas that women are far more in tune with, but yet they need to understand that that need that they have for affirmation, as well as what they're offering, needs to be, I, I don't know how to say this, metered in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say we have to think of it from the angle of what are we hoping to provide to someone when we give them encouragement. Mm-hmm. So you probably don't tell your dude friends, <laughs> bro, I love your hair, because you know your dude friend does not care if you have noticed that he got a fresh fade. You know, like that's just not a thing. Um, or at least I don't think my husband would ever do that, right? Yeah. And, um, but a woman might show up and say, oh, so and so, your hair looks like you just got it cut. It's so cute. Why does so-and-so care about that? Well, it may be because women are very aware that people care about their appearance. And so, or they may live in a culture where appearance is very important to our sense of identity. And so we have identified without thinking through it, we've identified a heart need and we're attempting to meet a heart need in another person by encouraging or affirming something that we know that they care about. What we as Christians have to do is define what should Christians care about and then use encouragement to spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? So if I know that the most important and most valuable thing for a friend of mine that I'm having lunch with is not for her to know that her hair looks great today, but it's for her to feel equipped to serve the Lord or for her to feel strengthened to get up and do something really hard that she's been called to do, then I'm going to encourage her in a totally different way because I understand that her heart in that moment needs something that God is calling her to, that God has promised to provide her. So for instance, sometimes women, what they're actually looking for, and this is one of those things that goes both ways, men need encouragement just as much as women because Mm -hmm. we all have the same needs as humans created in the image of God. We all have the need for companionship. We all have the need for strength. We all have the need for comfort. We all have the need for knowing provision, where provision is coming from. Those are all needs that are intrinsic to humanity, like everyone experiences them, but they are needs that are also very specifically promised to us to be fulfilled by God through Christ. And so He promises to care for His people. So how can we provide words of comfort and affirmation to people that promise resources that we know God can and will give to them we have to know the need that we're trying to to meet. So I think one way to kind of get better in that and um, really strive for holiness is to get better about asking when we're with other people, like, and I say asking, I mean in the spirit, I think asking the Holy Spirit to reveal ways that we can speak words of life into other people and to say, Father, what needs do I see in this conversation? And how can I speak a, a timely word that sounds as sweet as honey because it's from the word of God in a way that compels that other person to take heart because that's ultimately what it is. Receiving a promise of God is strengthening someone to take heart and stand firm in the ways that they are called to stand firm. Hmm. 
The scriptures, uh, Proverbs tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It does seem in that kind of definition that there are ways in which we're affirming people that are really flattering and not profitable, and uh, as well as the way to encourage somebody is often telling them something that they don't necessarily want to hear. That That is a very discerning dif- difference and, and a balance that is very hard to, to, to hit on the head. Yes, because if we're trying to just simply only affirm people with our words, then we measure success by whether or not people like what they heard. Mm-hmm. And so, as a minister of the gospel, who's called to hold the sword of truth, right? And to use that when I go into battle to divide between flesh and bone, you know, I am not always going to be um, like comforting someone. I might actually be cutting away something that's harmful to them or that's diseased or problematic to the body at large. And so when we're doing, uh, when we're encouraging someone, it may be exhortation that is calling them to walk in the light of the truth. And we have to, in those cases, I think, measure the success of encouragement by am I being faithful to the word of God, to this person, depending on the relational context that we're in? Um, Am I being gentle with those words? Um, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to talk about the way that we do that. But the bottom line that you're getting at is that we don't get to necessarily always choose whether we're, our faithfulness is going to walk away with the person giving us a big hug and saying, thank you so much. Um, because I think sometimes God doesn't want truth to do that. Sometimes truth and law act as a way that point us to our insufficiency and our need for Jesus. So we have to allow it to do both things. Mm. In the context of, of thinking about encouragement and affirming people, there's that idea of the, the kisses of an enemy, this idea of flattery that ends up being uh, in a saturated world of social media. We have these endorphins. We, we love the affirmation. We love that flattery. And yet we're coming off of it feeling rather empty. It doesn't satisfy in the sense that it helps us in, in our spiritual growth. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, there's also, uh, I think social media has fueled a culture of um, feeling like we need to agree with everybody at all times. And that if we don't, then we shouldn't be friends with them. And, um, or we shouldn't follow them, or we shouldn't listen to their opinions or things like that. And there's a place for guarding your heart. Um, But I think also, um, because faithful are the wounds of a friend, I think that often we need to be looking out for people um, who are willing to speak truth to us and to not label them as an enemy when they're speaking words of truth meant to exhort us to holiness. Mm-hmm. So we might sometimes label like, oh, that did not sound sweet. And so it was not encouraging. And this person is an enemy, maybe not an enemy of God, but surely an enemy of me. And really no discipline feels pleasant for a time, but with time, it produces a harvest of righteousness, right? So we we know that when the truth cuts and hurts, if it's the spirit working in us, it may be painful. And I think sometimes it's easier to recognize um, deep, good friendship like that retrospectively after you've kind of had a chance to take a breath and say, wow, Lord, that hurt. Help me process that. Help me deal with this. Was this a wound of a friend or was this something that was just an unkind word? you know, that wasn't true. And I think that when we look back and see friends that are willing to hold us to hard things and say hard truths, 
because they want to exhort us in the ways of godliness. I think those those are the people that I think we often learn the most from about who to encourage. Like, I think I have a, a team. I mean, it's not a team that I've gathered, but I could name people that I would say are on team Lindsay Carlson. And it's not because they think I'm so fantastic. It's because they just love me and they know my brokenness and they know where I struggle. And so if I call them and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, you know, this is how I feel. I know that they're going to speak truth into my life. And it may not sound like, no, Lindsay, you're so great and impressive and you do everything perfectly. They're usually going to say, have you been resting? Have you been, you know, like, what is the Lord saying in your prayer life right now? You know, like they're going to press on things because they are faithful and they are going to exhort me to walk obediently to the spirit and to the Lord because they know that I want to be conformed to the image of Christ, not to what the world looks like. And I think that sometimes social media can distract us from what we should actually be striving to look like. Mm-hmm. You're writing this book within a, a world where it seems to at least a lot of the books written directed towards women are all about this self-help and self-affirmation and, you know, don't believe what the world is telling you, but speak to yourself, the, these positive ideas. You're writing into that context, and how do you approach that, knowing that this is what a lot of the women you're writing to have been hearing for an extended period of time and reading for themselves? Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, I think I walked by a, a book bookshelf the other day in a used bookstore and everything is categorized and it says Christian books, you know, and on the end of that station, there's a handful of, of authors that I would not label as Christian authors at all. And in everything in my instinct wants to like pick all of them up and like go hide them in, you know, like some other shelf that's never going to get touched. But I think instead of doing that, I pray when I walk Mm -hmm. by for the women that are looking for encouragement in the wrong places, because I am compassionate on the reason that they're looking there, because I've been that woman before. Like I've been the person that is looking for a solution. And so if the world is freely offering solutions and saying, oh, you're discouraged because you know, you have low self-esteem or you're discouraged because your body image is low or you're discouraged because, you know, whatever trial that we might be going through, we can find an author that's writing on it. Right. And I have been the one that's picked up a book, you know, decades ago looking for hope. Right. And reading it and seeing solutions that are very within my power to maybe take steps toward whether or not I can actually grasp the outcome that I want Um, I can pick up a book and follow a diet plan. I can pick up a book and, you know, put my, put my schedule into a neat and tidy organizational pattern um, and maybe spend more time during the day doing what I want to do. I feel like I'm in control when I'm able to follow some easy, simple steps. And so what the Bible does not do in those ways is give us a very measured, reasonable approach that will solve our problems in three steps very quickly tomorrow. Um, So that is going to take a lot more work and a lot more um, diligence to study and become familiar with and understand the commands of Scripture and the promises of Scripture. It is much easier to walk in to half price books and buy something for $6 that has a pretty cover and appeals to my eye. So I feel like it makes sense that people would grab them, but I think it also should make us 
feel compassion for the people that are reading these books. So it was, I think, easy for me to write to these women because I can identify with mm-hmm. all of those same struggles and I can identify with desperately grasping for hope and doing it the wrong way time and time and time again until the Lord finally not, you know, once opened my eyes when I was um, in high school, I really had my first understanding of the gospel. But then over time, how he sanctified me and just revealed over and over and over, Lindsay, you're chasing things that are not your identity in Christ. You are believing in things to fix and hope on that are not promises given to you. Um, And so I think that um, compassion, I think, is is a key thing that the Lord is developing in a lot of us. Hmm. I think this whole subject of talking about the biblical encouragement and the encouragement that we often get from the world, especially this sort of uh, really heavy affirmation, just be you, don't let anyone change you. Yeah. You know, here's the affirmation of, of, of having this self-confidence. It af- actually comes out pretty empty. And the problem with that is you've got to keep going back to the same fountain over and over and over again. It's not living water. It doesn't give you a life that is actually improving and helping you to grow beyond those basic feelings that, that we all need to grow. We all need to mature. And that's the real biblical encouragement you're talking about. Absolutely. And I mean, if you think about how many of our promises that we, that we offer people um, just instinctively, um, tend to fall into the empty category. Mm -hmm. Like when you say things like, you know, your day will get better, or I'm sure God has the right spouse for you out there, or I know you'll get pregnant next week. You know, like we we make these promises because we want them to be true. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it's good and right for us to long and hope for things, right? But we need to call people up to long for things that are filled with rich and good promises that actually prove true. And so the rich and true promises are plenty in scripture. I just think that sometimes, you know, when we're, when we're exclusively reading book content and taking in social media feeds and uh, listening to podcasts that are filling us with solutions and strategies, we're not seeping ourselves in the word of God and allowing it to dwell richly inside of us and come out from every angle. Um, so I just, I think so much of it is just relearning how to walk by faith and and let the Spirit lead and guide. Mm. Another component here, I'm reminded of uh, Hebrews 12.1, uh, wherefore seeing we're compassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, th- those witnesses that have run the race before us, they're encouraging us to press on and encouraging us to persevere. There's a, there's a goal, there's an object here, a, 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 and that object is Christ, Hebrews 12.2, looking to Jesus, the the hope of our life and the author of our faith, uh, that is really what we as believers need. And it's, we need to be very careful who we select to be those cloud of witnesses that surround us and encourage us, not only to the right objective, but also uh, the right reasons and the right motivations. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you just think about like, just now, my, my kids just went back to school and they have so many voices in their lives, you know, just because they go to school now instead of being at home for the summer. And so they're going to have coaches that are calling them to things and they're going to have teachers that are calling them to things. And pretty much everybody that's in their lives and everyone that's in my life has some kind of thing that they're calling me to. Like they want me to be the best football mom. They want me to be the best, you know, PTA mom. They want me to be the best um, fill in the blank. And I can't do all of those things. And I have to be able to find encouragers that can say, 
Are you pressing into the Lord? Are you responding daily to the mercies that God has given to you? And are you stewarding what you've been asked to do? And I think that um, a wise encourager that we follow and listen to is going to be someone who is skilled at handling the word of God and that is able to give us like a full perspective with truth and with grace. Um, that is not going to, it's not going to sound programmatic. It's not going to sound prescriptive. Like here's what you do, take this and this will happen. Um, it's going to be able to evaluate what we need to hear to be encouraged to stand and to continue to run. Um, so I, I think that that's why I am so appreciative of the local church is that it gives us those boundaries to say, Hey, here's where you should start. And sometimes, you know, those local churches, I remember a season of my life early on where I looked around and I didn't see people who looked like me. And so I thought, well, no help and no encouragement remains, you know, like the psalmist. And that wasn't true. Those encourages, encouragers were everywhere. Women who were faithful followers of Jesus, who were very equipped and skilled to be able to pray with me and to speak a timely word into my life. Um, but I had to learn to look for them and to to set my hope on Christ in them to encourage me rather than looking for people that were going to encourage me to join more groups or do more things or produce more uh, work for, um, there were all these good things that I could invest in, but I needed somebody to say, let's encourage your faith, not the products that your family is producing. Mm. And if we need a community and we need to be thoughtful about who that community is and what they're communicating to us, Mm -hmm. we also need to be in that community. We need to be that person that is encouraging others. So this is kind of a, whoever wants to have good friends must make themselves friendly. So this is a component where we need to be communicating the right things to others as well. And this is really another component of your book is making sure that we're communicating the gospel hope to those that we have in a relationship and being active in the church. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's, there's so much talk about, um, you know, don't, don't say this, don't do this. Like the internet loves to kind of tell tell Christians all the things that we're doing really wrong, you know, and say, if you just would suffer with people like this and only say these things. But I think what it's done really inside of local churches has made us really fearful of mm-hmm. pressing into other people's lives and being an encouragement because we think, well, I'm going to do it wrong, or like, I don't know what to say, or what if I say hurts their feelings, or whatever it might be. And I think that um, that's kind of not new to the Lord. (laughs) Like the Lord has mercy and grace available for us for those problems. And He knows that we're people, and that we're going to bump into each other. And that's why you have iron sharpening iron. But we should be bringing our strengths to the table inside of our local churches, with the perspective of how can I strengthen my brothers and sisters within the body of Christ that I've been called to live beside and serve alongside? And how can I mutually be encouraged? Mm -hmm. Because I think um, you see Paul throughout the New Testament talking about mutual encouragement and how encouraged he has been by watching the faith of the believers that he maybe shared the gospel with, moved away from, and then is checking in on And what he's encouraged by is not people saying, wow, Paul, you seem very successful at your missionary journeys. Like, wow, Paul, way to get uh, arrested and thrown into prison. Like what he is impressed by is the fact that they are just steadily clinging to their faith in Christ and that they are continuing to live lives of sacrifice and they are continuing to show love for the brotherhood. So what is impressive 
and actually encouraging to one another is just our faithful, steady obedience. Mm. And I think if we are if we are living lives that are exclusively watching church, and I, I distinguish it that way because I think, you know, we can think of ourselves as attending a specific church because we watch it online. But if I watch church online exclusively, um, I'm I'm not being known within the body, and my life and my testimony will not be encouraging to the people that are on that stage. And I know as my husband uh, being a senior pastor, some of the richest encouragement that he that he gleaned and that I gleaned in ministry was from church members who we were watching their struggles, not because we were trying to fix them, but because we were just grieving with them alongside of them, or because we were speaking into them when we were given the opportunity. And we were strengthened watching them persevere through their suffering. And so just being in the right place at the right time is a huge amount of how God intends for us to be encouraged. And so if we remove ourselves and stay behind a screen where we're acting in the place of consumers, we're not showing up with the most basic kind of way that we've been equipped to encourage one another. For anyone who's listening, and they're really just discouraged, um, overwhelmingly discouraged. They've been listening to us talk about this subject of encouragement, and uh, they find it lacking in their life. Uh, what what sort of words of wisdom and help to them uh, can you offer? Loaded question. Um, so I think the primary thing is that for believers, we've been given the hope of Christ in the gospel, and that is power and freedom, and we are called to to walk by living water that is going to fill us with peace. We have a gentle shepherd who is guiding us. And so when we are discouraged, that gentle shepherd is not surprised by our discouragement. He knows and he takes our hand and he guides us along the streams of living water. The living water is found in very specific places that God makes very clear throughout scripture. And that's his holy and abiding word, And He's provided it to us richly at this time in the world where we have access to it on our phones, on paper copies. It's everywhere. We don't have to sit wondering, you know, we're not in the dark period where no prophets were speaking and Messiah hadn't come. We have seen Jesus and we've seen Him revealed in the pages of Scripture. And we've been given the Holy Spirit who is active and working inside of us. And so if we are discouraged, we can absolutely depend on the living Word of God to breathe life into us and to refresh us and to lead us into um, His abundance and His good pasture. And so I would say, find someone that can walk with you, first of all. Um, Find someone that is skilled at handling the Word of God that can just begin to speak life into you, even if it's praying a psalm over you. I think sometimes the most basic things that we can do to find encouragement is to just read the Psalms and to sit with David as he laments and he he experiences so many different emotions um, and to just give, give yourself permission to be real and honest before the Lord about where you are and allow His Spirit to minister life and peace to you. Um, so I would say Bible, be in the Word, and church, God's people. Those are the, those are the streams of life that you're going to find hope for discouragement in. And for any of our listeners who are saying, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, and amen, we need this. Encouragement is such a, a vital part of the community of believers, uh, but it's not there yet. Uh, they want to develop it. What kind of advice do you have for them on how to get this started? Um, so I think 
the best way that we can uh, be helpful encouragers um, is to understand our own need for encouragement. Um, and by that, I mean, there is not one of us that is created without the need for encouragement. We have all faced suffering and trials of every kind. And we are called to comfort those with the comfort that we have received. So if we have not received the comfort of the Lord through His Word and through His promises, we're going to be ill-equipped to serve it to others. So I think that being self-aware, where has, where has God given me immense amounts of comfort and strength and shown me His power, active and alive in my, in my life? Those are usually the areas that the Lord calls us to actively administer encouragement to other saints. So I would say, look at your life and see those. what are those areas of your life and how, if you've been a single mom who was greatly ministered to, find the single moms in your local body that need your voice of encouragement and don't encourage them by just saying like, you're going to make it, you got this. Encourage them by saying, the Lord is with you. The Lord is um, present and active. Give them specific scriptures that, that he might place on your heart and commit to praying those for that person. Um, I would say the other thing is to just have a posture of humility within the church that says, I don't know when God is going to call me to encourage someone, but I know that everyone in this church is going to need to be strengthened and comforted at one point or another. So Lord, make my heart attentive to the needs of others. And I think coming into our local body of believers with a posture that's just humble and willing to love people, I think is a great place to start. And then just praying for strength and wisdom to open your mouth and speak words that bless and and that help. Hmm. Well, Lindsay, I can tell you that here in New England in the Northeast, it can be rather discouraging, especially when you read the statistics and you're constantly reminded that we're living in this area where very few are are faithful and churches are declining and churches are closing. It can be a rather discouraging time, and yet. Uh, I think that there is a lot to be encouraged about to see what God is doing in our midst. So could I ask you to pray specifically for our listeners, but also for our region, that the that this would be an encouraging time to grow in the Spirit? Absolutely. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak of all of the good works um, of your kingdom and all of the ways that you've blessed us abundantly through your Spirit, through your Word, and through your Son. Um, I pray that as uh, the New England area is listening um, and and asking to be encouraged, Father, that you would open up your hand of mercy and that you would pour out your blessing on your people. And I pray that you would open their eyes, give them eyes to see, give them ears to hear, and soften their hearts as they seek comfort from your truth. I ask that you would strengthen weak knees and make firm hands Help us to labor in your kingdom in ways that strengthen one another. Help us to have um, our attention and our eyes and our gaze fixed on you so that we are not living lives um, for ourselves, but we are living lives that bring glory to your kingdom. Help us to make your name known, Lord, by feeling encouraged by your spirit and your word. We love you, and it's in your name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. We've been talking with Lindsay Carlson about her book. It's called A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. It's a great resource, and I think one that is going to resonate a lot with the listeners that we have here in New England and the Northeast, as we need to be encouraged. And it is through that mutual encouragement that we can see the gospel going forth throughout our neighborhoods and communities. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Absolutely. Thank you.